Hello and Happy New Year to all my listeners out there. This is Corruption of Colton Podcast Episode 18 and I want to wish everybody a Happy New Year. I hope that you are enjoying your 2023 so far and if you have a New Year's resolution, I hope you are able to stick with it and have a successful year. Personally, I am working towards getting at least a part-time job and moving out of my parents' house and going to college and potentially living with my girlfriend, so I'm hoping to have a productive 2023 while still growing the podcast. I want to grow the podcast this year. I can't wait to see by the end of 2023 just how far this podcast has gotten. Anyways, today we are going to be reviewing the debut solo album by Slipknot and Stone Sour vocalist, Corey Taylor. Very incredible vocalist that he can sing in so many different styles like rock, metal, and even country and pop, which he experiments with on this record. I'm, of course, talking about his debut solo album, CMFT, which we're going to be going over this week. So let's get right into this. So we open up the album with a little song called Highway 666. And the lyrics were very interesting to me. Corey Taylor writes, I was standing on Highway 666 when the devil ran me down. He said, son, your soul is as good as as mine. Give me more and you'll be fine. It almost kind of reminds me of The Devil Went Down to Georgia, it's almost like Corey Taylor was making his own metal version of Devil Went Down to Georgia, obviously referring to the song by Charlie Daniels. At least, that's what I think Corey Taylor was thinking here. It's very interesting. It it kind of reminds me of Devil Went Down to Georgia, just the subject matter and the way he wrote it, just writing about his perspective of an interaction with the devil. It seriously reminds me of Devil Went Down to Georgia, just metal and not a cover, but written in its own originality, like as an original song, written as its own song. I think he was inspired by Devil Went Down to Georgia, to be fair. It opens up with this like acoustic guitar mixed with electric guitars, eerie intro. It... The first, th- the first thing that came to mind for me was Metallica's Ride the Lightning album. I'm like, is this intro inspired by a Metallica song? Like, that's kind of what I thought. And then it quickly steers into this hard rocker with, like, fast drums and raging guitars. And it almost kind of sounds like a Stone Sour deep cut. It seriously reminds me of something that could have been on a Stone Sour album, but just didn't make the cut. So he thought, I'll put it on my solo album. And... This was quite a treat, by the way, because this was released in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. So, like, it was quite nice. We couldn't get a Slipknot or Stone Sour album, but we were able to get a Corey Taylor project in the pandemic. And that's quite nice. I think this was timed quite well um, since Stone Sour and Slipknot couldn't really work on anything anything together because of the pandemic. So Corey Taylor said, I'm still going to give my fans something. And I admire that. So... I really enjoy this track. Highway 666 is great. It, it's a great opener. It shows the hard rock metal side of Corey Taylor, which is something we're all familiar with. And I think that's a great way to start. You open up the album with something that we're a little familiar with. It's like an old friend. 
But then he would obviously steer the album into other directions. But it's nice to start us off with something we're familiar with before steering us into a whole nother direction with later songs. I like this method. Highway 666 is a great song. I enjoy this one. We then get into the second track and lead single from this album, Black Eyes Blue, which I really liked. It's a mix of country and hard rock. It kind of gives you that 80s rock feel, but with like a country vibe, and I really like it. Um, this is actually the first exposure we got to this album, like I said, with it being the lead single, and I remember hearing this Back in 2020, because there was heavy promotion behind this album, Loudwire was constantly covering updates from this album when Corey Taylor would do interviews and tell us, like, what was going on with the album, when it was going to be out, what production he was doing, and, like, how, like, he would tell us about the progress and a little bit of what it's going to sound like, all that. And, you know... I was monitoring this and heavily watching this because I'm a big Corey Taylor fan. You know, I listened to a lot of Slipknot and I was listening to a lot of Stone Sour at the time. So I was definitely intrigued by the idea of a Corey Taylor solo record. I'm a big supporter of artists branching outside their main genre or main band to try something new. You know, he was always known as a metal singer for Slipknot and Stone Sour, so... I'm a big advocate for this idea, kind of like how when Stained um, broke up and Aaron Lewis wanted to do country music, I'm a big supporter of the idea of Aaron Lewis branching out and doing something different. And so, you know, I really like this. In fact, I even covered an Aaron Lewis album on the show. It was actually my very first album review I ever did. So that should definitely say something. <laughs> that definitely speaks for how much I support it. Uh, anyway... I really like this song a lot. I really like it when bands mix country and rock together. I think it sounds really cool. I mean, a big example of that is Florida Georgia Line. It's more They're more country-based, but you can definitely hear rock influence in their songs. Nickelback does it with songs like Far Away or Saving Me or See You at the Show. You can definitely hear that country influence. Rockstar is a big one. It definitely heavily influences country. You can definitely hear it. I really love it when bands and artists do that, and this is no exception. This one also has a unique sound. Like, it doesn't quite sound like Nickelback. Like, it doesn't sound like the Nickelback country vibe. I feel like Corey Taylor and Nickelback both have, like, a unique way of doing it. You know, I feel like when a band mixes country and rock, it's very unique because I feel like one band has a very unique way of doing it and another band has a unique way of doing it. They never sound similar when they mix country and rock together. They never sound similar. And I feel like Corey Taylor created his own country rock sound here with this song, or maybe that's just me. And I really enjoy how it sounds. I think it's a great lead single. It's a great way to show that you are expansive. It's a great way to show that you are unique and can experiment. You know, we've always known him as a metal singer. So I think this song really proved that Corey Taylor has talent beyond metal music and that he can sing in different styles. He sings in a completely different style here. It's much more 
mellow, and there's even sing-along choruses here, which you don't really expect in Slipknot. They have it a little bit in some Slipknot songs. There definitely are, like, mellow choruses because they are a metalcore band, but there's also more scream choruses, and the scream choruses in Slipknot, I feel like, are more common. I'm not saying the mellow choruses aren't there, period, but they're not as common, and most people listen to Slipknot. Not as many people listen to Stone Sour, so they don't hear it as much. I also feel like though Stone Sour has the mellow sing-along choruses, they sound a lot different here. It feels like Corey Taylor is definitely singing it in a different style here. Like, Stone Sour, it's still more in a scream-like style almost, where here it sounds more like he's singing la 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 la, like he's definitely singing in a more mellow voice in general. But that's not a bad thing. I love Black Eyes Blue. Let's move on to the next song, which actually is my personal favorite from this album. So we then get into track three, Samantha's Gone, and while doing research for this song, I found out that Corey Taylor and I actually have something in common. We both really love this song, which I did not expect. Corey Taylor actually was quoted saying this is one of his favorite songs he's ever written. And this is one of my favorite songs Corey Taylor has ever sang. So I think it's funny that we both equally really love this song. I just found that very interesting and really unique. So... Why do I love it? Well, I love it because if there's anything you guys know about me, it's that I'm a sucker for uh, radio rock. A lot of people call it butt rock, radio rock, and talk about how it sucks. You know, bands like Stained, Nickelback, Puddle of Mud, Creed, Hinder, all of them. They're all made fun of. They're all seen as the butt of the joke in the rock industry just because they make sing-along choruses and simple but very fun, catchy riffs, and some of their songs can even rip out a very epic guitar solo every now and then, and those are the only songs that get praise, and they only get praise for the guitar solos, not for anything else, all because people want their metal songs to be all these intricate stories like dream theater songs or they want them to have these fast epic riffs like a slayer song there's never a middle ground they never find that music can just be fun and i don't get why now i love slayer and dream theater i love when my songs can be intricate but i want it both i don't just want intricate songs that tell epic stories sometimes i just want to lay back and chill and just Listen to a simple on-the-nose song. Is that so wrong? So that's why I enjoy Nickelback and Hinder. It fuels my need for just something simple and fun. And this album captures that feel as well, because this one has a very mellow sing-along chorus and a very simple guitar riff, simple drum beat. It almost kind of reminds me of, like, a Nickelback song or a Hinder song. It really feels that, it really fuels that vibe. It really feels like that. It really feels like something I would have heard on the radio in the 2000s next to songs like How You Remind Me or She Hates Me by Puddle of Mud or like something like that. Like this really sounds like it would fit in right next to those on radio stations. And 
I don't think that's a bad thing. There's definitely an audience for this type of music, and I'm in that audience. I'm in that demographic, but I'm also in the demographic of people that love Slayer, Megadeth, Dream Theater, Mastodon, those more intricate bands. I love them, but I love this just as much, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And that's why this is my favorite song on CMFT. I love that we can get into this album starting with an epic metal song, and then we can slow down and relax and listen to some just radio rock that you can just dance to or sing along to. I like that this album can have a little bit of all of that, but I know that's why some people are going to hate this for the same reason they hate Nickelback, that there's too much going on and, you know, that you know they're going to hate this for the same reasons that people hate Nickelback, that they can't speak consistent to one sound. And Tell me, why does it have to be like that? I mean, the way I see it, think about a movie studio. Movie studios like Paramount Pictures, let's take. Let's take them, for example. Make several kinds of movies. Horror movies, comedy movies. They also do animated movies. Movie studios don't get the finger pointed at them for selling out for making different movie types. They don't stick to one genre of movie and then people yell at them right, for for not being authentic enough and not making the same type of movie. I mean, Disney makes basically the same shit movie over and over again with some good ones, like Lilo and Stitch is freaking amazing. But, you know, Disney movies stick to that one demographic being kids, but Paramount Plus sticks to many demographics. So why can't bands like Nickelback and Hinder pander to different demographics? Why can't Nickelback have a hard rock song like Feed the Machine or Sight of a Bullet, but then have something like Far Away, which is like a country rock ballad? Why? Why can movie studios get away with doing several different projects, but bands can't get away with it? Explain that to me. Apparently the movie industry and music industry are just very different. They definitely are, because we bitch at musicians, but we don't bitch at movie companies for trying something different. And I think that's ridiculous. They're both entertainment, just different types of entertainment. You could see different bands as the different movie companies. Why can't they try something else for a change? You think they want to make the same music over and over? No. Nickelback has stated that they experimented with their album No Fixed Address because they wanted to try something new. Nickelback is the definition of bands that don't want to make the same thing over and over again. They want to experiment because they want to reach a wider audience and just have fun. They don't want to make, they want to make what they want to make, man, while also pleasing their audience at the same time. They make the hard rockers because that's what they like to make, but then they make the ballads because that's what people like. There's nothing wrong with pleasing everyone. Sorry, I'm drinking a grape crush while recording this. My throat's all tired because I'm fired up about this. But I love this song, Samantha's Gone. Best song on the album. This next track, Minilux, does an accurate depiction of those songs from the 70s and 80s, 60s, basically the 20th century, where you would sing a vocal and then you would hear an instrument. It kind of reminded me, I don't know why, but it kind of reminded me of the song Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley, where he would sing a lyric and then you'd hear like that noise. 
from Heartbreak Hotel, we kind of get that here where Corey Taylor would sing a lyric and then you would hear a guitar riff like dun dun um, and then he would, and then he would start screaming mini locks, mini locks, mini locks, and the song would kind of follow this pattern of him doing like this scream metal vocal, followed by like a more mellow vocal, and then a guitar would come in and hit and repeat, and I kind of like that. It's kind of going back to reminding me of rock and roll from the twentieth century when this was more common, and I like that. I kind of like the way that this album, or not album, but the way this song portrays what rock was like in the 20th century. This definitely reminds me of 20th century rock. Kind of like the time when Elvis Presley was around, but if metal was around at the time. And I like this. I like this song. I think that it, it's not the best though. It's more okay. Like, I like this song, but it's not as exciting or as fun as songs like Black Eyes Blue, Highway 666, or Samantha's Gone that we've heard before. It's more okay. It's good, but it's not a bad song either. There's qualities about it that I like that I already explained. So there's qualities about this song that I like, but I don't like that this song just kind of does the same thing. Him just screaming, Minilux, 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 just kind of screaming the same thing over and over again. There are songs that do this well, but the instrumentation doesn't really change. He just kind of repeats the same riff after his vocal, and when he's screaming, it's just kind of the same drum guitar pattern the whole time, and it just, it's just bland. It's not really the best song on the record. It's just kind of okay. That's just how some songs are. I think this is the first time on this show that I've gotten to a song where I think it's just bland. I feel like that's the first time this has happened. I guess we've just gotten into that point in the show where I'm coming across songs that are just kind of all right. (laughs) And that's how I feel about this one. But maybe this is just a bridge in the album, because most of this album is pretty good. I feel like this is just a little bit of a setback. So this next track, Halfway Down, is apparently Corey Taylor's tribute to ACDC frontman Bon Scott. From what I read, he was just very inspired by Bon Scott and just wanted to write a tribute to him, and I can completely understand that. I actually feel that way about guitarist Eddie Van Halen, because I have some favorite guitar players. Zach Wilde of Black Label Society and Ozzy Osbourne's band, Ace Fraley of Kiss, um, and many other guitar players. You know, I'm just heavily inspired by Brian May of Queen, and... There's just so many great guitar players out there that inspire us and make us want to learn how to play guitar. Also, Marty Friedman and Chris Poland, who were both guitarists for Megadeth. Even Dave Mustaine himself, who plays guitar in Megadeth and is the frontman. There's just so many musicians out there that inspire us to want to be musicians. And Those are some musicians that inspire me to want to learn how to play guitar, even though I'm not really that good at it. I want to push to learn it and push myself to get there, but it's hard. 
But Eddie Van Halen, as I was saying, is a huge inspire, so I can see why Corey Taylor would write a song about Bon Scott, the person who inspires him. I once wrote a song about Eddie Van Halen right after his death. I just wrote a little song about how talented he was and what a great person and guitar player he was and how he inspired many. I titled the song Eddie, and I actually plan to release it one day. I don't know when or under what label. I still gotta find bandmates to record an album with, but I definitely want to get to being a musician, and I know that'll be one of the first songs that I ever record. It'll probably be on my debut record because that song's very important to me, and I want to get those emotions out there. And also, I can also understand why I wrote it, because Bon Scott's just great. I mean, he's played on some of the best rock albums of all time. Highway to Hell, Let There Be Rock, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, Power Age, which was all the ACDC albums he played on. But let's not forget my personal favorite, the debut, High Voltage, the very first ACDC record in America. And I loved High Voltage. I actually have a CD copy of it now. Recently, I got one. Uh, and I love the songs on there, like... It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Rock and roll singer, The Jack, TNT, I'm dynamite, TNT, watch me explode. You know, just a, some classic songs. So I can totally see why someone would sing and write about Bon Scott of ACDC. I think that Bon Scott has inspired many, including vocalists. I actually, my main talent is singing um, I do a raspy vocal style, kind of like Chad Kruger of Nickelback. He's definitely inspired my vocal style, but I'm also heavily inspired by Bon Scott. I want to do, like, some songs that sound more bluesy, and I'll probably try to sing it in that style if I can. I even want to do ACDC covers. I actually want to do a cover of Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. I really like that album to the point that in my closet, I actually have a t-shirt of the album cover for Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. I actually have a shirt of it uh, somewhere in my closet. I have a lot of band shirts, and that's one of them. So I think this song is great. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, for sure. Silverfish is another one of my favorite songs from this album, and I think it is one of the best constructed songs from this album. It starts off with this acoustic guitar intro and very soft sang vocals by Corey Taylor over the track, and it's like that until the end of the chorus where they add in like this singing, crying-ish guitar riff, and I really like it. It's kind of like... I really like that riff. I actually want to learn how to play that. Uh, and then in the second chorus, we start to add like these electric guitars that fuse with the acoustics. And I really like songs that mix acoustic guitars with electric guitars. Some examples would be Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone by Cinderella, as an example. And I really like songs that can mix that. Saving Me by Nickelback mixes it as well. There are just some great songs that can mix with that, and this song is another example of that. I love Silverfish. Um, also, I really relate to the subject matter of Silverfish. Reading the production notes from Corey Taylor, um, there's actually a website where Corey Taylor gives us a rundown, track by track, of the album, which is where I've gotten most of my information um, from this album and and for it. So... This song is about fighting the demons of addiction and depression. And I don't suffer from addictions. However, I do suffer 
from depression. I do suffer from anxiety and depression in a depressed state at times in life, especially during the pandemic. I was going through a state of depression of what's the point of living anymore? What's the point of this? And I started to suffer from suicidal thoughts, which pushed me to get therapy. And I decided to find a therapist for that reason. And because I just suffer from emotional issues at times. And this song, I think, really helped me out and would help out tons. Um, I know what it's like from what he's writing in this song. I know what it's like for depression to invade your brain. As much as you try not to be depressed, these suicidal thoughts just invade your mind and just take over your brain. They take over your daily thoughts. They take over your emotions and just ruin your mood. I know exactly what it's like, and I really relate to this song. I know what it's like to be like, what's the point of living when nobody cares, you know? But... You know, I would always want, I feel like I'd want to be praised. I wanted to do things for people, but that's when I learned sometimes I don't need to do things for other people. I just need to do things for myself because I enjoy doing them. I don't need to do things because other people want me to or for other people to like it. Like this podcast started because I just wanted to make myself happy, believe it or not. That's how this podcast started. I wanted to do something for myself. Something that would um, be a stress reliever. Something that would help me out. Because discussing music is one of my favorite things to discuss. And so I decided I'm going to start a podcast as a stress reliever. Something that can be a distraction from the emotional issues that I'm going through. And it's really helped me a lot. I've reached a, I have made great progress in my... Um, Mental health by doing this podcast. 2021, I'd say, was the turnaround of my mental health. I really started to be in a mental state because of this podcast. This podcast has, I don't want to say saved my life, but definitely has helped significantly in my journey to being happy in life. And this has really helped. My girlfriend has helped significantly too. But, you know... This podcast also, it's just significantly helped me. And if you're suffering, anybody, any listeners out there, if you're suffering with some kind of emotional issue, listen to this song. It might speak to you and you'll realize you're just not alone in that situation of being depressed and anxious. Or if you're going through some kind of addiction issue, maybe drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, listen to this song, Silverfish by Corey Taylor off his debut solo album, CMFT. It just may help you out. This next track called Kansas is about making it home to a loved one. This is another song that mixes acoustics with electrics. And again, I'm all here for it. I love it. I love it so much. Um, But this song I also relate to. It's about making it home to a loved one. And I can relate because I'm in a long-distance relationship. I live in Illinois. My girlfriend lives with her adopted parents down in Missouri. Um, actually, in a very country town, like a countryside of Missouri, very small town. They're not... It's a more rural area. Rural area. There's not really much going on. It's countryside. The closest town, I think, is like 30 minutes away. That's aside the point. But the point is... um. 
I know what it's like to miss a loved one. I actually, and I know what it's like to just go home to them. Like I remember I am, her mom works out here in Illinois where I live at. And so I took a train, an Amtrak, um, to go see her because Illinois is a big state, guys. So her mom lives like, I want to say not like lives and works like an hour and a half from me. Her mom commutes from Illinois to Missouri, which can only be insanity (laughs) to do. But, you know, I traveled by Amtrak to go see my girlfriend who was staying with her mom here in the state. And it I felt like some kind of soldier or like veteran just going home to see your wife for the first time in a long time. I felt like I was making a huge accomplishment and it just felt great to go home to the person that I loved as I was meeting up with her for the first time. She's a new girlfriend of mine, new to my life, but I like her. I love her very much. So, you know, it just felt, it was a great feeling. And this song, I think captures that feeling Uh, Kansas is a great song from this album. If anybody's missing a loved one, I would definitely recommend checking this out. It pulls at the heartstrings and can help get you through the day. It helps me get through the day. I actually might send it to my girlfriend after I record this. Um, As I was just, again, I'm just listening to this album for the first time in a while. So I'm actually going to send her the link to this after I get this episode up. Kansas is a good song. This next song, Culture Head, has a very fun production note, actually. Um, Apparently, Corey Taylor writes, I was just driving in my car and I heard this machine doing the sound that we captured, we recreated on the drums. So apparently he was hearing some kind of like machine noise that they ended up recreating on the drums. And that's how we got that noise that we got. Or the drum intro on Culture Head. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he notes that it's a song about just saying that you're full of shit. And you can definitely hear that in the lyrics. That this song is just about knowing that someone is just full of shit. They are just an abuser. You hear like lyrics about like abuse and relationships in the lyrics. And it's just about a person that's just an absolute piece of shit. And I can completely relate to that. I had a ex-girlfriend who was just absolutely full of herself. I'm not going to say her name and throw her under the bus, but um, I'll tell you, she was a jackass. Um, She and her and I were dating for, I want to say two months, but um, she was seeing multiple men at once. I actually want to share this story. So I've probably told it before here on the podcast, but I'll tell it again for the new listeners. Uh, they, they, she, um, on Facebook, okay, on Facebook, it was her birthday, and she told me she was just going to the beach with friends, and then I see this, my friend sees this post, and he says he has a screenshot of it, and it's this guy, all right, and grabbing her waist and ass. I'm not even sugarcoating the image. That's literally the image that was screenshotted to me. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy, right? Like, I'm just like, what the? So I messaged my girlfriend on messages. She doesn't respond. So I send her the post on Messenger and she immediately responds. She's like, 
it's not what you think. He's just a friend. And I'm like, ah, yes, just a friend. Just grabbing your waist. I'm like, I have some female friends, right? Okay, I have a few. I'm friends with a few women. And the women that I'm friends with, I don't go up to them and greet them by grabbing their waists and grabbing a handful of their ass. If I did, that would be quite a weird thing for me to do. I think I would probably have to register as a sex offender. Probably. I would probably be registering. I would probably, they would probably call the cops. Probably. I would probably have to register with a sex offense in my name if I did such in creepy things, right? You know, that's just not appropriate. So <laughs> I don't get how she... She said that I'm her boyfriend, but she lets guys do this, which clearly proves that she clearly wasn't bothered by it, by the look on her face. Uh, And the fact that she would post it online shows that she clearly didn't care. Um, So I message the guy himself and we start talking and I find out I'm like, you dating her? And he's like. Oh no, she, I was like, you dating so-and-so? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so am I. And he's like, and he's like, not again. So clearly he knew that he's been getting cheated on. He actually mentions that it's happened to him. Like, I'm like the sixth guy to go to him, right? And I'm like, you get cheated on multiple times. And you're just like, eh, this is a typical Tuesday for me. What? This is just your average daily occurrence, bruh? I feel sorry for you. Um, In fact, I remember one time, this happened, by the way, like around like midnight or so, he calls up her dad, who just, we get in a group messenger call and just comes to yell at me and just calls me like all kinds of like slurs and obscenities. So I start calling him these names back, blah, blah, blah. Like just, and him and I are just going at it with each other. Probably not my most mature moment, but this dude's being a fucking dick. So I'm going to be a dick back. And he's just, this was just one of the most absurd days. I totally should, I love telling this story. I should tell it as like a YouTube story time at some point. I love telling this story to people because it's just so absurd to, you know, just say, oh yeah, my girlfriend cheated on me. And then her dad called me a bunch of obscenities. It's just, it's just an absurd (laughs) event to tell. It's pretty funny, though. Um, But yeah, that is my experience with that. And that's why I can relate to this song, Culture Head. I wish I didn't relate to it, but I do. (laughs) Anyways, let's move on to the next one. So I read the title to this next song. And I had to do a double take. I had to make sure that what I read was correct. So I held my phone up to my face. And I look at it, and sure enough, it says, (laughs) everybody dies on my birthday. I'm sorry, I can't read this with a straight face. I can't say this with a straight face either. (laughs) Okay, the time is, everybody dies on my birthday. (laughs) <laughs> okay, let me. T- 
take a deep breath. It's just too funny. Like, it's dark, so I shouldn't be laughing at it. But the title's just so absurd, how can I not laugh? Okay. The title is Everybody Dies on My Birthday. Okay, got it out of the way. I was able to say it with a straight face. And this song is just saying, basically saying everybody dies, which is true. And it's just a good hard rocker of a song. It's a hard rocker. I like it. It's got the electric guitars, the bass, the drums, everything you'd want in a hard rocker. And I like it. It's interesting enough. (laughs) The title's definitely the most interesting part. Like, I read the title and I'm just like... That's a bizarre song title. Yet again, I'm probably not one to judge about song titles because I've written some interesting songs. Like, I've written a song about one of my previous relationships called Cut Me Loose, and I was basically comparing the destruction of the relationship to, like, hanging and wanting about, like, how the relationship is hanging by a noose and how the relationship's basically basically a suicide mission and... I basically compared the relationship to having a noose around your neck and slowly suffocating. And so I'm probably not one to judge. Or the fact that I've written a political song called Eaten Alive, which you would think is a cannibalistic song, but is actually about how the economy is eating at our finances and eating at all our money. So probably, if I ever make it as a famous musician and I release the song, and if I have fans... One of my fans, if I have them, is going to come back to this podcast. And they're going to go, you're judging a Corey Taylor song title. You're one to judge. You wrote a song called Eaten Alive, you son of a bitch. So probably not one to judge, honestly. But good song nonetheless. I like it. So the next track on this album, track 10, is titled... The Maria of Fire, the Maria of Fire, however I'm supposed to say that. Um, And it's, according to Corey Taylor and Album Notes, it is a personal song about his previous relationship. I don't really know what was good or bad about the relationship. I couldn't really decipher it from the lyrics. He, the only information he really gave us while reading the article on this album um, which, by the way, I'm going to put in the description of this episode a link to the article where Corey Taylor gives us a rundown of each track. It's a link to um, the website Metal Hammer. So I'm going to put the Metal Hammer link in the description for anybody who's interested on my um, resource and how I got the information on this album, out of all the albums I reviewed, I feel like this one has given me the most information. A lot of the times, I have to um, go based off the Song Facts website and what artists have said in interviews or what fans have said about what they think the song's about, and that's kind of how I get my idea of what the song's about. But here, I had a huge disposal of resources. I was able to... I googled Corey Taylor CMFT album facts and song facts and all that. And I was given this link on Metal Hammer and I was given the, I was given info on each song and kind of how it was written, why, 
what his thought process was when he wrote it in terms of Corey Taylor's thought process. So I think it's great that I was given like full on from Corey Taylor himself, just full on details about each song, which I think is great. You don't see that a lot. So I was glad to have that. It really makes this episode, in my opinion, far more interesting because I have far much more information to give. So I like this. I like this link. I'll put it in the description. And as far as the song, it's a hard rocker, and I like it. It's straight and to the point. I wouldn't say there's really, at least for me personally, maybe not others, but for me personally, it's a good song, but there's not anything that, like, stands out about it. There's not, like, it's pretty straightforward riffs and stuff, so it's an instrumentation, so... There's nothing that jumps out at me for this one, but it's not a bad song. It's still a good one. It's not even a meh or okay song. It's just a good song. This next song is the most beautiful song I've ever heard from Corey Taylor. I think it tops everything of Slipknot and everything of Stone Sour. I know that's a very broad statement. But that's honestly how I feel very much so. The track I speak of is called Home, and it's a piano ballad, which is the last thing I would expect from Corey Taylor. I mean, I've heard things like Snuff from the album All, All Hope Is Gone, and I thought that was different for Corey Taylor at the time. But hearing Home off CMFT, I realized just how beautiful of a singer and songwriter Corey Taylor can be. This is very different for him. I don't want to say it's like opera singing, but it's close to it, and it's very different. I love it. This is the most beautiful song I've heard from him, and it's a love ballad he wrote about his girlfriend or wife. I'm not sure what their status is, but it's her name's Alicia or Alyssa or something, and he says he wrote it on the guitar, but it lacked that intimacy and feel that a song needs. So he spent, no joke, he spent two years of his life learning how to play piano for just this song. One fucking song that he is determined to learn piano just to play. And that is true love and dedication. When you love someone so much that you write about a song about them is one thing. But to love someone and write a song about them so much and love them so much that you will learn a whole nother instrument for them, learn a whole nother instrument just for a song about them, that is a whole nother level. And that's just true love and dedication right there. It touches my heart that Corey Taylor loves his partner that much. That just, I cried reading that. No joke. I, I never thought that... Corey Taylor's music, out of all people, out of all people, like, out of all songs and all people, Corey Taylor and a Corey Taylor song to make me cry when I read the production notes? That's just a completely surprising thing for me. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Just the fact that you will learn another instrument for someone that you love that much. I love this song. This is truly beautiful. I want to read you some lyrics from it as well. 
that really touched my heart because I cried listening to this as well. I listened to it like three or four times. I want to read you some lyrics that I picked up. I know there's something on your mind. I know you've given up at least a thousand times. I know you were always there for me. It's all together. Now fill my life and give me eyes to see. I don't know if I can change. I don't know what to believe. But I know I can find my way if you confide in me. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful lyrics by Corey Taylor. I love this piano ballad. This is this is charming. It's beautiful. It touches my heart. I don't know how else to describe it. Let's just move on to the next song before I completely lose it and cry on the podcast. CMFT is a track that actually contains traces of hip-hop, which is the last thing I would expect from Corey Taylor, aside from the piano ballad that we just talked about, but I also did not expect... Traces of hip-hop with electric guitars. It's like rap metal or hip-hop metal or whoever you want to describe it. It's very interesting. He says that some of the influences for the instrumentation were bands like Anthrax, which I can totally see um, in the instrumentation, especially in the drumming and guitar work. Mainly the drumming. It's very Charlie Benante-ish, if that makes sense. Um... This song, from the production notes, he said, is that this song is a big fuck you to the people that think they know him. And I can totally understand what that's like. There's always that one person in our lives that thinks they know us or thinks they know who we are, but they have the slightest idea. So I totally know what that's like. It's always people saying, oh, I know, I know what you're going through. I know exactly what it's like. No, you don't. Like, I'm a blind person. I'm visually impaired, to be exact. So I have some vision, but I always hear from people, oh, I know what it's like to not be able to see. No, you don't. You're sighted. You don't know what it's like to ram into shit. To You don't know what it's like to be denied access to things because you're visually impaired or blind. You know, there's people that don't want you to learn how to cook because they think you can't do it. There's people that think you can't go on public transportation on your own or cross the street on your own or travel outside the home without supervision in general because they think you can't do it. So, no, these people really don't know what it's like to be a disabled person. They like to think they do. They don't. And so I totally relate to this song here, CMFT Must Be Stopped. It's great. It's a great song. I relate to it. This is in my top five favorites. But let's move on to the last track, which is hilarious to me, and I think was put there just for the sake of comedy. Okay, this is the second instance we've run into on this album where I've had to read the song title twice. Obviously, that happened with Everybody Dies on My Birthday, and now that has happened with <laughs> European Tour Bus Bathroom Song. I'm surprised I was able to say that with a straight face the first time, because I could not hold a straight face 
while repeating it to myself earlier before I started recording. <laughs> just reading the title was just, I'm just like, this is the weirdest shit I've ever seen. European tour bus bathroom saw. <laughs> but if that title's not funny enough, I want to read you what Corey Taylor said about the song, because that's even funnier, in my opinion. <laughs> There's the same sign on every toilet, or every bathroom on every European tour bus. Please do not put paper in toilet. Please put it in the bin provided. <laughs> okay. And that, that's just a fun fact in itself. I did not know this. <laughs> Yet again, I've never gone on a tour to Europe. I've never toured Europe in a band before. So I obviously wouldn't know. But that's that's good to know, I guess. Don't There's always a bin provided. Okay, good to know. Anyways, moving on. When you try to use the bathroom with, <laughs> without, without getting piss all over yourself... <laughs> And you stare at the, and if you stare at the sun long enough, <laughs> you end up writing hot, hardcore punk rock music to it. That's just the funniest thing I've ever read. Someone saying that they got inspired to write a punk rock song by staring at a sign in a bathroom. That is, <laughs> I see where you get the title now. Oh, man, that's just funny. I even love how he starts the song by just screaming, European Doorbell Bathroom Song! I just love how he just starts the song with that line. That's just great. <laughs> and it's a simple punk rock song. This is a punk rock song, really. I don't really know what the lyrics are about. Maybe the sign itself. <laughs> but, um... I think it's really funny how this song originated, that this song wouldn't exist if Corey Taylor wasn't staring at a European toilet bathroom sign. That's just wonderful. Um, but yeah, this is a basic punk rock song. Kind of reminds me of 80s punk rock music. I think you said that's what this is an homage to, and I like it. It even has that 80s punk rock feel while still being modernized. So I like it. I think it's a good song. I think it's a good way to end the album. I like the drumming. It's very, very fast, very punk rock-like, and it's actually my favorite part of the song. It has to be the drum part. Now I want to learn how to play drums because I want to learn how to play that. God damn it! There's, there's so many instruments I want to learn. Guitar, bass, drums, maybe even piano. Jeez. And the only reason I'm inspired to learn how to play piano is because of Corey Taylor's damn piano ballad. Why does that have to be so good? Why does Corey Taylor to be such a good songwriter in general? I mean, he writes for Slipknot, Stone Sour, his solo project. He can write for three different projects and write so good. How? How does someone do that? Ugh. Anyway, not mad. I'm just intrigued. Anyway, let's get into my thoughts on this album because there are... I'm going to give you my top, my top favorite songs first. So, my top three favorite songs from this album, CMFT by Corey Taylor, would be at number one, Samantha's Gone, at number two, Home, and at number three, Black Eyes Blue. But there are so many good ones that I'm actually going to say, if I had to do a top five, my number fourth favorite is 
Highway 6, or Silverfish, sorry, and at number 5, Highway 666. So the order would go, Samantha's gone, home, Black Eyes Blue, Silverfish, and Highway 666. Those are my top five favorites. I'm going to be putting Samantha's Gone in the Best of Corruption of Colton podcast playlist on Apple Music. You can check the playlist and recreate it on other music streaming services if you'd like. It's in the podcast description. Not the description of the episode, but the podcast itself. So you can go check that out. And what do I think of this album in general? Well, I think that it is one of my favorite albums of 2020. Maybe not my number one favorite, but my second favorite for sure. I think that it uses the perfect blend of country elements and hard rock and metal elements and even some good elements of punk rock and hip-hop inspiration. I think this album does it really well. Um, Clearly, CMFT Must Be Stopped shows the hip-hop elements really well, while the country rock elements are done justice in songs like Black Eyes Blue. Also, songs like Silverfish do a great job at portraying acoustic, how acoustic guitars and electric guitars can blend well together in a song. Um, There's also great portrayals of the guitar work with the, like, crying singing guitar element on one of the songs. This song is a... This song, this album, is just great. And I just love how funny it is. I mean, you've got funny songs like Everybody Dies on My Birthday and European Tour Bus Bathroom songs. Still can't get over those titles. They're so funny. They're great. I give this album an 8.5 and a half. An 8.5 out of 10. The only reason it didn't get a 9 or 10... The only thing that really took the album down a peg is that one song that was just kind of meh i actually read the production notes though i like the production note that the song was written about a dream he had but it just just doesn't do it for me but every other song does it for me i thought about this being a nine but i feel like that's being too generous i don't want to be too generous or too mean in my reviews i want to remain critical but fair so I give this album an 8.5. It's a great album. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 18 of Corruption of Colton podcast. This is the very first episode of 2023. Once again, you can check the description of this episode for the link to the CMFT guide by Corey Taylor on um, Metal Hammer. Thank you so much. This has been Corruption of Colton podcast. <laughs>